Welcome to Bruin Success, where we talk to UCLA alumni and explore the many paths to success beyond UCLA. I'm your host, Katie Russo, and today I'm excited to be joined by Max Barnes, Communications Manager at the San Francisco Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development. In this role, Max leads media and public relations, press around new housing developments, internal communications, and much more. Prior to his current role, he worked in communications for the San Francisco Office of Community Investment and Infrastructure, focusing on development efforts in a few of San Francisco's neighborhoods, including Bayview, Hunters Point, and Mission Bay. Max graduated in 2016 with a BA in political science and a minor in urban and regional planning from the Luskin School. Max, welcome to Bruin Success. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today. Hey, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So to, first off, um, your role as communications manager for a government agency sounds extremely layered with many moving parts, and I'm sure you wear a number of hats. Can you elaborate a little bit on your role and kind of what are your key priorities or responsibilities? Sure. Um, communications for any government agency, I think, can be a very layered role, as you mentioned, a very complicated and uh my day-to-day role, I usually try to start out on a Monday morning by mapping out the week, and by 12 noon, all of that's gone out the window. And so I think for my day-to-day, a lot of what I plan to do and what I set out to do in my proactive work is it's essentially trying to highlight the work of the agency and the work that we do and a little bit of a, I guess, lesson on what the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development does in San Francisco. We fund and develop and uh, preserve affordable housing in San Francisco. And obviously housing has always been a really big deal in California. And I think especially now given the pandemic in San Francisco, uh, it's a really, really kind of interesting spot to be. And then the community development side of the agency, um, we fund a bunch of nonprofits that create uh, or that have relationships and provide essential services to neighborhoods all across the city. um, And topics ranging from eviction defense to uh, legal counsel to things of that nature. So it's a really kind of multifaceted agency. And for me, uh, the communications role, a lot of what I have to do is amplify the work we're doing. Um, Anytime the mayor or our director goes out in public and talks about housing, we're usually in the background trying to make sure that everything's going going all right and that people are saying the right things and they have the right talking points and they have the right facts. And um, But at the end of the day, it's really honestly about telling a good story about the work that we're doing. And uh, I get to sort of see what happens, what's happening every day, and tell that story from a um, from a from a positive perspective. That's awesome. That's great. What's so far in your role? What's been um, one of the things that's been most challenging for you in your role, and what do you enjoy most, or what's most rewarding about like getting getting to tell that story? Sure. So I guess the the most challenging part of the role, and sometimes when I when I have a rough cut, when I'm having a rough day or a rough week, and I think, oh man, you know, this is am I in the right field? Is this is this right. worth it? Kind of thing. Um, you and the rest, the rest of us for sure. Right. right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the toughest part, I think, is the nature of just spending probably eighty to ninety percent of your day reacting to what other people need. Mm-hmm. Um, communications, wow. PR, media relations not a job for the kind of people that want to be able to dictate their own schedule. It just doesn't work like that. And I think if you talk to most people in comms and uh, especially in politics and who staff, you know, politicians and things of that nature, it's crazy. It's craziness. And I think the, the hours are uh, 
they can be some days can be really relaxing and things will go exactly as the plan and then another day you're getting a call at 10 p.m and a reporter is like hey i need a quote and you're like trying to figure out who has the right information and sure. um but i think a part of that the other side of that coin too is that it can be really fun you know there's an adrenaline rush when you're trying to get information out and you're trying to tell a story and um the positive nature of the job, and especially for me, I grew up in San Francisco, the work feels deeply, deeply personal. And it really, it's kind of cheesy, but I really, when I got into public service and working for the city of San Francisco, I just wanted to help the people that I grew up around and I interact with on a day-to-day basis. And I think doing something that's civically minded and that you feel like you can have a real impact on the people that are walking across, like walking next to you on the street, it's something that's very tangible, I think. And something that um, as time has gone by, I definitely, I think I used to take for granted, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm giving back to the city, whatever, right? right and I think now right. it feels very, very like every day I wake up and you try to make someone else's, someone else's life better. And yeah. that's, that's the positive aspect of it. That's wonderful. Yeah. I, I think there's for so many that do work in public service or, you know, even nonprofit education, there is, I think when there's that aspect of being able to something personal or that personal element that goes back to something significant in your life, it just, it feels, it makes the work so meaningful. And even through those like stressful days, as you were talking about, you're able to kind of find the bigger why and the reason why, okay, like this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Definitely, definitely. Now there's times where I think when I go back to my time at UCLA, where I, would, I had written papers about gentrification in the Mission District and things of like that. Now it's oh, like right. we're, we're building affordable housing in the Mission, and these are things yeah. that we're trying to reverse these trends. And it felt like when I was in college, it feels like some just paper have, you have to write. I was going right? to say now it was you're, abstract, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you're seeing it happen right in front of you, and you're like, whoa, maybe we're we're actually making a meaningful impact for these communities and these neighbors that have experienced displacement. And it just feels, yeah, it feels a little bit more personal. Honestly. Yeah. That's really neat. That's super cool. Like full, full circle moment. Yeah. 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 So kind of um, going off that point, you talking about your time at UCLA um, as a student at UCLA, did you always know that you wanted to work in government affairs or public service or what significant experiences did you have that led you to pursue this work? Sure. Um, when I when I started at UCLA, I was I think I was a geography and environmental studies major, okay. and I, I think I just like liked maps. Like I was yeah, like a okay. bad. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, like applied to college. Like maps are cool, I'm so okay. check that box. Um, and so safe to say that didn't last very long. I I, I think friends had made fun of me for that major. No offense to any geography majors sure. out there, I just wasn't for me. Um, yeah. And so. The other part of this was I, I knew I always, I was super into politics and I really like, I remember as like a young kid watching my parents kind of, they were frustrated in the Bush and Gore election. I was six years old. And it was like, but something resonated from that moment of like, this is, this is something's happening here. Something's important. Not that as a six-year-old Max, I could figure right. out what was actually happening, but it was like, oh, this is, this is something to pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and ever since then, I've kind of been fascinated by elections. And I think you, t- you take that path and you start thinking about, how you can be involved in politics or how you can be involved in government. Um, and then initially, I think around my junior, sophomore, junior year, when I picked up the urban planning minor, I was like, okay, urban planning, that's my, that's my way in. I wanted to be an architect actually when I was, uh, when I was in high school. And I quickly realized that like architects, you know, they spend a lot of time in front of a computer and I just like a lot of jobs, that's how it is. Right. But I think for me, I wanted to be out doing something more with people and being out and about and interacting and, um, 
And so then I thought, oh, urban planning, it's like the architecture, you get that architecture piece of it, but you're, you're also like, you're dealing with cities and you're planning with folks in mind. And, and so I went through the minor and I actually, I think at the end of the minor, I realized that urban planning also wasn't for me. And I was sort of, but it was good. You know, I, I was fortunate enough in college because I think a lot of people, they don't have that chance to realize like, oh, this is not what I want to do, even when you're right. 22 years old. Right. Um, and so urban planning didn't end up being the, uh, being what I wanted to pursue. But I realized that if I could just get into government, figure that out and kind of see what roles are out there. And honestly, when I graduated, I had no idea what like the field of communications was. I think yeah. I, there was a moment where, because the comms major at UCLA is such a highly regarded major. And yeah, I had talked, I think, to my dad about wanting to double major and he was like oh you know like just focus on what you're doing it was like a, i remember it was, i think it was more heated than that and i was like well why what's the what's the uh what's the rub with it but i i ended up just sticking with what i was doing but i think for me it was like get it one get a job right like get a job out of college yeah. <laughs> like we all go through that um and then two find something that you're mildly passionate about and that uh luckily i think i often tell people that if I was living in another city, I don't know if this would be the field that I'd find myself in. Mm-hmm. But I think for now, I'm coming back to San Francisco after college, like this is where I want to be right now. And I'm really happy about it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think there's there's so much even just in your response there and your story about your time at UCLA and, you know, selecting different majors. There's so much I think that people can resonate with, especially even like you were saying, like the conversation, many conversations with parents, right. And, and talking about, you know, the type that you're, what you're majoring in or the types of jobs you're looking for. Um, But I think that's such a good point too, like you said, to be able to um, try out those things and figure out what you don't like, because I always, I always say that too, to students and especially like young alumni that are still kind of finding their way. And it's just as, it's just as important to figure out what you don't like and what you can't stand as it is to be like, oh my gosh, I love doing this. I could do it. You know, I could do it for free, but not really. Right. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I think that's like you highlighting that. I think that's so important for the fact that you got to have those different experiences that showed you, okay, yeah, like architecture or urban planning, that's not it. But, you know, finding this, and like you said, not even knowing about the field of communications, I think so many people come out and face that same thing of like learning about the variety of jobs. I didn't even know this was a job, you know what I mean? So I think that's, that's so many pieces of your story that I think so many people will be able to connect to. Um, so I know shortly after the start of COVID-19 last year with the transition to working remote, there was a sudden exodus of many San Franciscans leaving the city to live somewhere cheaper as they worked from home and didn't have to stress over long commutes. Can you speak to how this has impacted your work in housing and community development? And also kind of a, a second part to this question, I'm curious if you can share any other things that your office is now working on as a result of COVID's disruptions. Totally. That's a, that's a great question. And I think very relevant, obviously, to what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. I think to address the first part of the question, the city's changed a lot in nine, mo- nine ten months. It really does not feel like it did, you know, nine, ten months ago. It's, I think there's good parts of it. There's obviously terrible parts of it. I think there's also a lot of people who are really struggling, who've yeah. stayed here and wanted to be here and tried to make it work. And I think the way I see it, before the pandemic, the city really, it's a tech city. You know, I think that's, that's always been San Francisco's reputation. And the, I've always been in the mindset that like people should come to San Francisco. And I think 
growing up here, there's you can talk to a war- large spectrum of people who are like, oh, I hate everyone who comes to San Francisco. Right. I, op- I welcome people with open arms. I kind of fall in the middle where I'm like, you know, if you come to San Francisco, all I care about is if you take an interest in your local community. Like, yeah. that's all I want. Just for you to come here, enjoy the city, because it's an amazing place to be. It's an amazing place to live. Right. Um, but I think when you think about what's happened in the last nine or 10 months, it's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's, it's bleak. The city's budget doesn't look like agencies are having to try and make cuts. And it's, I think it's just, it's reality, right? We're not, it's not a unique San Francisco problem. Every city it's is right. dealing with some sort of problem similar to this. But I think what you're also seeing is rents are coming down to semi, I would even say, I wouldn't even say normal, like rents are coming down to like above normal, but San Francisco rents before were just so outrageous that right. um, that it was not really an accessible city for a lot of people that are essential workers and people that um, are kind of, are major parts of the fabric of cities like this one. And so I think a byproduct of what you're seeing is some people are returning to their city that didn't have an in before. And I think that's a really amazing thing to see. And, Obviously, too, the people who have left and the people who, like, I, I say to those people, like, we'd love to have you back, you know, on your own terms. Please come back if you do. If you don't want to come back, that's okay, too. You know, and I, I um, but I do think that there is an opportunity now for the city to kind of, to reevaluate itself. And obviously, that tech, the tech-centricness, that's not going anywhere. I think people talk about, there's, you read those articles, and like, is New York over? Is San Francisco over? Right, and it's right. not, we're not over. We're going right. to be here. so traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, and it's, it's newspaper headlines, right? So lead yeah. into it what you can. Um, but I do think that it's sort of, the city is, when people say like, oh, I, I want to get back to normal, and I want to get back to like think how things used to be. I think this is a moment for San Francisco to get back to a place where we're all comfortable and we can go out and not wear masks and things can be um, yeah. a little bit more. I, I don't want to say. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't. I don't think we need to go back to a normal, but I think yeah. this is an opportunity to be welcoming to more types of people that we yeah. just haven't been able to um, open our arms up to before. And uh, so I think. I think we're definitely at a crossroads, but we're things are looking up, and I I do feel like it's it's it can be a, it can feel daunting at times to think what what's going to happen. Um, yeah. And recovery takes a while, but we're we're trying to help out where we can. And I think something that the agency, the second part of your question, the agency, one of the biggest things that we worked on is this initiative called the Give to SF um, Housing Stabilization Fund, and something that we've dealt with a lot over or what we've seen these last nine or ten months is lower income folks who are more susceptible to COVID because they're working still their their normal jobs and they're out in the public and they don't have the luxury of working from home. Um, they're either can't pay their rent, can't stay in their home. And so as an agency, we've administered this program with some really closely knit uh, community organizations that distributes direct financial assistance. So we really try to keep people housed, to keep people, um, it's, a, it's available to renters. There's also, I think, a set aside for landlords if they can't pay their mortgage. So we're really trying to kind of meet people where they are, but also target this assistance to the most vulnerable populations possible because that's at the heart of the work that we're doing. Like we need to help those people that need it the most. And um, it's been really kind of amazing to see how the city has banded together and realized the needs of folks and, and gone out and tried to meet those needs, meet, meet those people where they are. That's awesome. That's, I think that's, like you said, there's so many 
even through the, you know, really, I think dramatic changes and severe impacts, like you said, especially on those most, most vulnerable um, communities or marginalized populations. I think, like you said, thinking about those small silver linings of it, where once again, with rent prices lowering a bit and being a little bit more normalized or just feasible for people (laughs) based on, you know, folks that work in nonprofit or just like you said, public, public service. I mean, thinking about all those, like you said, how, like being able to increase accessibility to an amazing city, um, which we know San Francisco to be. So I think to see, and like you said, that campaign that you were just discussing, like the work you're doing there, I think that's really amazing and powerful to see, you know, like you said, looking at where people are, how can we provide those resources and support to help them, no matter kind of where they're at with their housing situation and just being able to help them through this recovery and trying to, you know, make sense of what's going on. So um, now I have a, a bit of a more fun philosophical question for you. So hopefully you, hopefully you think it's as fun as I did when I was writing it. Um, but so you've been working full-time in the professional world for almost five years now. Um, as a young professional, do you believe there's such thing as a dream job um, from your time just working so far? Do you think a dream job is a thing? If so, why? If not, why? Maybe why not? That is a, it's a fun question, but it's a hard one to answer. It is, I, I know. <laughs> I do think there is the idea of a dream job. And I, I think part of that, for me, I think when you graduated from college, right? You, you, you build up like your ideal path, right? You get a job at a college, entry level, you move up, or you start your own company, whatever your path is, right? And, um, I think for me, I'm in a really good place as far as my, how I feel about my day-to-day job. Like I wake up and I, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely tough days where it's just sure. like, oh man, it's, it's, but everyone has this, right? Yep. Yep. And I think for me, there's, when I think of potential dream jobs, be it related to the field I'm in now or totally different than I'm doing now, I think they're out there. I, I'd be lying to you if I said I had my life figured out. You know, I think sure. I'm five years out of college, <laughs> I think we're all yeah. people my age. I think you're still like, I still think sometimes about grad school. And I was like, is uh, that something I want to yeah. do? I'm kind of at this sort of point where decisions got to be made. You know, I, I think you're getting to a point where, um, but I do feel like I'm very fortunate to be where I am and, the, and to be in this field where it, I think, it checks a lot of boxes for me personally. And I, I'm able to um, to give back to the community that I, I grew up in. I make a decent salary. I'm happy. Uh, the work-life balance is a little tough sometimes, but that's, that's you can't have everything, right? right. right. Um, <laughs> but I do think that there is the concept, the concept of a dream job, dream job does exist. I think it's just, it's always going to be aligned with your, your interests, right? And I think yeah. for me, um there are some things that are uh that are not that I don't get to do on a day-to-day basis now um but there are also a lot of things that I love about my day-to-day job like how like housing is such a weird interesting kind of wonky subject and being in communications the other thing that I forgot to mention when I was answering an earlier question is that in the nature of communications you really kind of have to have a surface level of everything that your agency or whoever you're representing is doing and so I've I'm learning still every day. And I think part of a dream job is being able to continue learning. And I think that's something that um, 
for me, I think the day that I stop learning in my current job, that's when you start looking. And I don't think that yeah. for me personally, I don't think that's happened yet. And I, and I don't foresee it because every day I'm like on calls with people or I'm learning about different programs that we run. And I'm like, wait, we do this? I had no idea. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, yeah. it's, I, I do think that there is that the concept of a dream job for me is, exists. It's just, it's, it's, it's a path to getting there. I so appreciate your, your answer to that question, Max. And I totally agree with the, you know, dream job. I think it is a very real concept and idea. Um, but I think I, it really resonated and I loved what you shared about, um, the dream job. If you're not learning in that, it's, it's no longer, I think like something that's real and, and to hear you say that you're learning every day still in your current role. And that's what keeps things exciting and fresh. I think that is such a great point because I totally, I totally agree. Like I've, I can definitely resonate with, with the comment you made about, you know, having those moments of you're like, Oh wait, like this happens here. We do this, you know, and you're, you're like, okay, I'm a part of this. And you, you see yourself, you know, as a one small piece in this bigger uh, puzzle. And so I think, but yeah, I loved what you shared about the learning aspect. I think that's so true. Yeah. 100%. So um, as we we're kind of kind of going off that and, and thinking about, like you were saying, just growing professionally um, and, and thinking about where you're at in your career. So of course, we're about two weeks into 2021. And you know, just as much as I do, how common the themes of New Year's resolutions and new goals fill our heads and social media feeds in January of any new year. But I think especially in this year with everything that has taken place in 2020, Um, given that, you know, given where you're at now in your career working for the city and county of San Francisco, um, how do you go about setting goals for yourself, um, either both professionally or personally, or how do you manage refining goals, um, and pursuing professional development opportunities to enable you to, like you were talking about earlier, thinking about that long-term or you're on this path and you may want to get here. How do you go about, you know, managing, setting those goals for yourself and finding the opportunities to continue to advance in your career. Definitely. Um, let me try and break that into two, sure. two, two briefer answers, but I think yeah. the first part, how do I go about setting goals? Um, when I think about my career and you mentioned, it's been almost five years out of school. And, uh, I look back often at like kind of major steps that I've taken and what, what was happening around me at those times. And I think for me, something that I think about all the time is when I left my first job, uh, I actually went over, my first job was at, I was on the same floor of the same building of my current job. It was two government agencies wow. on the same floor. Okay. Um, and so I basically worked on the same floor my entire life, <laughs> uh, my entire working life. Yeah, right. Um, but when I left that job, I was, there was a communications lead at the agency I currently work for. And she had kind of been mentoring me. We weren't coworkers yet, but she had sort of been mentoring me on the side. And then eventually it kind of came to this point where she was like, Hey, there's this job opening up. Um, where are you? Do you have any interest in kind of making the jump? And it's weird because in government, like you hear about poaching and all these things in different industries, but in government, it's like, well, you have to apply for the recommendation. You have to, there's like, it's a very bureaucratic process. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think about my path and that moment of having this mentor that I didn't ask for. You know, I, I didn't seek it out, but it just kind of, I was very fortunate and maybe it's a lot of like right place, right time. Um, but I think for me, that mentor, she ended up 
I ended up working with her for a few months. She left and she's gone on to better things. And, um, but I, I ended up getting her old job. So I was promoted to her role only six months after she was, only six months after I joined the position. And so it was like a lot of moving pieces, but I think of that mentorship. And then I think of what I can impart on uh, the way I'm saying this. I feel like I've, I've had like a 40 year career, that way. but I, I've, I've had a short career, but I've realized the powership of mentorship. And I think that's something that, um, can be extremely important. And people talk about networking all the time, but I think it's like networking, but it feels deeply personal. And I think that was that was sort of how, because those six months that I worked under her, I've learned more in those six months than I have in my entire career. And I think it was just wow. like, it was an opportunity for me to work, um, to work really closely with someone that like I really trusted and took her words for granted. I, I, I guess I took her words for granted when she was there because I thought she'd be there for longer. Yeah, um, sure. But I think when I think about setting goals and a personal goal for me, I think when I look at 2021 is trying to continue growing in this current role that I'm in and taking more of a leadership role, I think. And something that I, I think a lot of people that are close to my age, I think a lot of the times when we're trying to, when we find ourselves in these roles where uh, sometimes I, I have imposter syndrome where I'm like, did I, did people really have to listen to me? You know, yeah, and is this totally. uh and it's a tough thing to deal with. And I, I don't really have any advice on how to deal with it, but I'm trying to get past um, that imposter syndrome. And the other thing too, is really trying to work on finding folks that are younger than me and trying to mentor them. And even though I don't have a ton of experience, I have some experience and I've lived it and I've seen, I've worked at two places. And um, I think I mentioned before we got on this call about the, we have these four UCLA interns and what? it's been right. a blast to have uh, they're four senior undergrad students. And so they were me four and a half years ago. And it really, yeah. and I keep telling them, because now they're starting to look at jobs and the students have been really great, but I keep telling them, hey, if you need anything from me, because I, when I was in your shoes, I would have loved to have somebody to talk to. And I did for those six months. Like I, that person really helped me out. And I just want to kind of take that to the next, to the next person up, you know? And, and, um, and then the second part of the question, I think was about how I, how I push myself on professional development and how do I reach these goals? And I think something that I've learned is there's, there's a lot of opportunities outside of your day-to-day -day job to kind of meet other folks and to join other organizations or to be a part of like other leadership programs. And so that's something that I really push myself to do from a young age. And I was able to do a few kind of leadership programs. And I recently just joined the nonprofit young professionals board. And so there's these things that um, there's opportunities out there. And I think, pursuing those even if it doesn't feel like a very logical fit at the get-go um those opportunities and having a chance to really work with a bunch of people that don't work in the same field that you do but are like your kind of same demographic and same age and um that has been something that i think no one would have ever told me about in college like oh yeah like doing this extracurriculars because you talk about extracurriculars but i think when you're working out of college you just want to like do your job and then have fun right and yeah I think totally you have time to do other things and to give back in other ways or to learn about other trades or other industries that's a really cool opportunity too. yeah I totally agree um and I think your point of mentorship and even how you explained the you know the woman that mentored you once again it's not like you sought her out it's not like you sent her an email requesting formal mentorship but it's sometimes <laughs> those more organic um, connections and relationships that end up 
just taking on, you know, their own nature where you can learn the most from someone that, you know, can see that you're up and coming and can see your, your potential and kind of takes you under their wing. And I think, like you said, um, being able to receive that. And then for you being able to, you know, take even the four intern, the UCLA interns that you're working with and being that sort that resource for them and source of support. Um, and, and I could totally relate to what you said about, you know, thinking going back in time when you were at UCLA, wishing you had someone, I feel, I feel the same way. Um, <laughs> I graduated not too long ago either. And I feel the same yeah. way from when I was in college and that's part of the reason I am in this work now is I didn't never saw a career advisor. never, you know, like I, I wish I had someone to talk about finding those jobs or like looking at a resume and things like that. Oh. So um, I think, you know, it definitely reminds me of that mentality of kind of the lifting as you climb motto of, you know, as you're moving up and, and, you know, becoming more of a leader in your field and things like that, being able to give back to that next generation that looks at Max maybe and says, I want to be in Max's shoes someday, you know? And so I think that's pretty cool and powerful. Yeah, no, it definitely makes, I think this has been the first time that I've ever worked with folks that are younger than me in government, because that's kind of rare. Sure, <laughs> um, and right. it's, it's been, it's been really fun. I think just to hear, because the next generation of talent, they like, they already, it's, it doesn't feel like, like the age difference isn't that wide, but there's, they look yeah. at issues and problems from a totally different mindset. And that's been really eye opening. Yeah, that's super cool. That's, that's awesome. So my final question um, that we end all of our interviews with is since leaving UCLA, how has your career and life experiences shaped how you define success? Oh man, we're getting really full. It's all right. A million dollar um, question. <laughs> well, I think for me personally, I, I said this earlier, but I, I think that I'm still a work in progress. And I think most people would still say I'm a work in progress. Right. And I think right. For me to define success is a little daunting, but I, I, I think similar to what I was saying before, the fact that I'm able to wake up every day and be employed and be happy about the job that I'm doing. And also I think feel like the work has a deeper meaning because I've had other jobs and I've had internships where I was just kind of like pushing paper along, you know, and that, yeah. and I think now, when I go into work, I really make a concerted effort to put on my best face and to listen to people. And even when we're disagreeing or learn from other folks. And I think that the opportunity to kind of open yourself up to uh, different perspectives and in government too, you hear a lot, like San Francisco is obviously a very liberal city. And so a lot of people are coming from the same sort of democratic point of view which is awesome I think for me personally for the work that we're doing but I think just when you break it down it's so interesting these different ways of looking at problems and these different ways of problem solving and um and so for, for success and for me I feel like it's it's honestly just continuing to add tools to your tool belt and to continue to follow the path that you're on and to not give up and I think the other thing too is working in government, working wherever, as long as you have a mission and it feels like it's mission-driven work to you, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's, I, I love that. Um, I think your point, your early point too, about um, being a work in progress and the fact that like, that was one of even, I think the first things you said in answering this question, um, I think is, is definitely, you know, 
once again, I, I say the same thing about myself. Um, and I think there's definitely, it's nice that there's like community in that, especially for, I think so many young professionals and even just our young alumni, um, knowing that we're all still right. Like people are just figuring it out. Um, but like you said, I think, you know, each person, success looks different to each person, um, as even from these interviews, we've been able to learn, but um, being able to think about what's important to you. And like you said, what what's that calling, that deeper, something that really speaks to your soul that you can, you know, go on a, a passionate rant about, like it's those <laughs> things that, you know, like you said, if it's mission driven to you and it feels like it's in line with who you are and what you want to contribute to, I think that really, like you said, continue on that path. Um, and success will be along, you know, success points will be along that way on that path. So yeah, I, I really love your, your answer to that. Definitely. Well, thank you. Well, Max, um, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us on Bruin Success today. It was really great to hear more about your career and your path to working at the city and county of San Francisco and wishing you all the best and continued success in 2021 and beyond. Thank you so much, Katie. It's been it's been a true pleasure to be here and just to just to chat about UCLA. It's always nice to talk about talk about the school. You've been listening to Bruin Success. Our guest this week was Max Barnes of the City and County of San Francisco. You can find more information on Max in the description of the episode. Follow Alumni Career Engagement on Instagram and Facebook to keep up with Bruin Success. If you enjoyed our podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, or share your support on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time when we're back with Craig Ehrlich, Chair of the UCLA Foundation. This podcast was made possible by UCLA alumni.